Hello and welcome to the Keto Man's Club podcast. We're glad you're here, where each week we talk about men's health and lifestyle. We do so with the foundation of the ketogenic diet and lifestyle. If you don't know what keto is, stick around and you'll find out. The podcast will bring you real honest fun. Each week we strive to uncover the tips and tricks that you can use in your everyday life to maximize your overall health and find the clearest path to becoming the best version of yourself that you were meant to be. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Keto Man's Club podcast. My name is Chris. I'm one of your hosts and as always, I'm joined by Alberto and Jim. How's it going, Alberto? Doing all right. I uh, had a little bit of a rough week, had a mysterious flu-like sickness that kind of took over things for a little while. I did get tested, so test came back negative, which apparently means nothing these days, but now at least I got that. <laughs> back in action, back at the gym, week four of Danny Vega's carnivore keto cut. Uh, going really well. I'm pretty tired because I've never eaten this little in my adult life, but it's working as advertised and I, I'll push through for the next few weeks to see what this thing brings. Yeah. You're at the, the lowest that you'll be. And then the way that Danny has it set up is you hang out there for another two weeks, right? Yeah. Yeah. So this is literally day one of my lowest, which is 2,180 calories, uh, proteins at 165, fats at 165 and carbs since it's carnivore. Today I had one, but it's usually less than five. Very cool. Those are hard macros they keep because that really isn't a lot of food for you, especially for you. Whenever you've been pretty used to three, four thousand calories a day there for a while, Jim, what, what's going on with you? I was lamenting before we started recording. Cracked my phone this morning, and you feel a little bit handicapped when you can't hit certain parts of the phone, or when you want to try and do something, and all of a sudden it takes a life of its own and starts scrolling through things and whatnot. So we're maintaining right now. We're we're doing the uh, touchless phone situation, kind of like people dealing with COVID. Mm-hmm. Don't touch it. Just let it ride kind of thing. Yep. And otherwise, good. Last week was a little bit rough personally for some various reasons and made it through the week and um, onward and upward we go. So, yeah. Yeah. Very good. Very and good. you, sir? My week has been uh, busy with uh, trying to clean and organize around the house. We sent off our three foster kittens uh, back to the shelter to get their surgery and get their new homes and they are no longer taking up my old office so i spent a a while doing a deep clean of that room because they had uh, taken that over and well kittens it's been a good week overall though and getting used to my new schedule i'm working different days of the week now so it's still i'm still in that adjustment period so overall not too bad let's let's talk about the club news actually by the time this airs hopefully shirts will be in the mail because Ant, he's working on the printing right now, apparently. That's as we record this. So here in, in the next week or so, we should hopefully have those off in the mail going to the folks that, that bought them. That will be really great to, to get out the door for them and get some people some Stakes Over Shake shirts. So, yeah, that will be great. And any other important news? I didn't see the numbers as far as how many new members we were talking about this week. You know what? I didn't look either before we started. We had been up until the last couple of weeks recording on Wednesdays. And in the group, we do the hashtag Welcome Wednesday. So that's when I welcome the newest members and whatnot. But the Keto 101 Man's Club continues to really ramp up in the numbers of new members and whatnot. So if you're listening to the podcast for the first time and you pick this episode as the first one, first of all, welcome. But secondly, if you're new to keto, check out the Keto 101 Man's Club. Great opportunity to meet guys, learn about the way of keto and whatnot, and get your feet wet and get settled into this uh, way of eating. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's uh, dive into some shout outs. I I don't want to drag out our banter here because we've got uh, Dr. Anthony Jay on the line with us today, and he's waiting patiently in the wings. And we want to get into his story and get into a lot of the the information that he has to share, he, he is a wealth of knowledge, and I'm looking forward to uh, having this conversation. But Alberto, let's start out with you. Who, who do you have to shout out this week? Probably going to ruin the name, but he'll get it. Uh, remember Roderick Nayrens, I believe it is, um, mm-hmm. down 90 pounds in a year. Both pictures, he's wearing a kilt, and his killer beard slash chops game is mm-hmm. on point. Mm-hmm. So on top of the 90 pounds, <laughs> the guy's got the style, the guy's got the facial hair. Overall, is a really great post and he's, he's killing it. Yeah, I, I saw that picture. That was a, a great example of someone doing things right. Jim? I almost 
I think I know Alberto well enough that I knew that he was going to pick Roderick because <laughs> that was who I had pulled up as well. But I have a backup here. So every Tuesday we do a Transformation Tuesday post in the group and you know have guys post before and after pictures, before and current pictures, things like that. Today when I posted it up, I just said, don't worry about so much the uh, before and after photos. I want to know about the non-physical cha- changes that have come with doing keto. So my shout out are to the guys who posted those non-physical changes like brain feels good, energy is up, self-esteem is up, mental clarity from zero confidence to healthy confidence, all these different things that have come about not just on the physical side, but on the mental side as well. So my shout out is to the guys who are seeing changes beyond Mm -hmm. the belt. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's so much more to this this lifestyle, this correction, course correction, whatever you want to call it. There's so much more to it than just uh, get it, getting in shape or losing weight. There's so much more. Uh, I am shouting out Mark Sartoris, and he posted a couple uh, pictures here. And he is one of those guys that you look at a picture and you go, nah, that's not the same guy. Like, seriously, he's got a, a bit of a six pack poking out there and in the, the current picture. And he's got muscle definition everywhere. And you can tell he's completely changed over from the rounded out dad bod that that was in the the before picture there and good job uh to uh to mark it looks like he's been doing keto for two and a half years and see if he gives a number of how no he's not even he doesn't even give his his weights on here but there's just a massive lot of a massive amount of weight lost that's for sure yeah i just found the picture i totally would not think that was the same person yeah yeah, definitely. Photoshopped. That's my favorite <laughs> joke with, with that type of thing. Is Oh, it's Photoshopped. It's not real. Okay, before we dive into our conversation with Anthony, let's go ahead and remind our listeners, your support of the show is huge. If you think that today's conversation, I honestly, I believe, whether you're man, woman, or child, the conversation that we're going to have today is something that, that you can benefit from. You share this episode with someone Leave a review on Apple Podcasts if you can. Subscribe to our Facebook page. Leave a comment there. There's all sorts of different ways that you can get behind us on this. And every week our mission is to share the stories of people that are taking this way of life and using it to transform their own lives. And we're seeing so many different wins on that. We get to to share those so often that's such a uh, such a huge blessing for sure the website is theketomansclub.com uh, so that's the uh, one thing to, to you, you go there all of our social media links are there the facebook page is there the facebook group everything is right there for you okay let's go ahead and introduce the man himself anthony welcome to the show Meet Chris before at like Paleo FX or something. Uh, I believe we did. We met at KetoCon last year. KetoCon. Yeah, yeah. I we, remember we, your face. Yeah, yeah. We, <laughs> met, we it was in passing, but you uh-huh. were. Uh, I think you were hanging out either close to the Keto Brick booth, which everyone does, yeah, or with Danny. One of the two. I couldn't. Yeah, both uh, good friends. Yeah, yeah, Danny and Danny and Robert both yeah. are great. Robert Sykes. Yeah, yeah. and assuming and, you walked in, I probably checked your badge at the door. <laughs> oh, rock on! Is this is that Alberto? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've, yeah. I, since I live so close, like I volunteered for the first one, and and that pretty much got me like grandfathered in mm-hmm. into being able to volunteer from everyone here forward. And I live like yeah, thirty but... minutes from where they host it, so I really can't go wrong. I heard you when you said Dan, you're doing the Danny Vega carnivore keto cut. That piqued my interest because I went hunting with Danny Vega. Did you hear about that? I, I saw the the vlogs on Robert's channel, and of course, right. I, I I edit for Danny, so I know everything. Is <laughs> nice, nice, good for you. Yeah. Yeah, we we definitely went carnivore that trip. That was crazy. Yes, that was awesome. If if I remember correctly, <laughs> you guys had the pack that until you had killed something, you weren't going to eat yeah. anything, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, you got it. Yeah. <laughs> it was funny because Danny missed two shots at wild hogs, and then finally, of course, I've shot a lot of them before. So we we're trying to get Danny a, a wild hog. And yeah. Robert Sykes owns the property, and he's mm-hmm. done a lot of hunting as well. But then after that, while Danny was taking a shower one afternoon, I just went out and shot one. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Getting it done. That's all that matters, especially after a couple of days. You're like, okay, we're hungry. We can't be, uh, we can't, we can't play favorites here. 
It's a good time. Very cool. Let's let's give our listeners a, a little bit of an introduction of who you are. Tell us about who you are, where you're at, where you're from. We'll get into your uh, into the backstory here in a bit, but talk about some of that. I, I should have actually formally introduced you as Doctor Anthony J. Oh yeah, just for the brand, I like to go by Doctor because people remember it, mm-hmm. Doctor J. Yeah. <laughs> in general, I just prefer Anthony, but it just fun. it's a fun brand. Shout out to Doctor J. Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, I'm a researcher. I'm a scientist at Mayo Clinic, PhD in biochemistry from Boston University Medical School. And I went to college in Florida and I'm a big outdoorsman as well. So a scientist outdoorsman, I guess. I, I started a shark fishing club in Florida. And so as I travel around and give talks and whatnot, like when I go to Texas, I like to go alligator gar fishing and I just do crazy things like that. But obviously really enjoyed this staying healthy and staying active and and learning a lot about the mechanisms behind things that's biochemistry and so right now i'm at mayo doing research on stem cells i did a little bit of infrared research just a lot of different things i used to do alzheimer's research i got my phd on the topic of hormones and cholesterol and fats and of course after that i wrote a book called estrogeneration you did and that's mainly focused on hormones and Mm -hmm. artificial hormones in particular which are a big problem a lot of people aren't even aware of but you guys certainly are and i'm glad to hear and it's a big it, it has a big impact Absolutely. I've got my, my metal tumbler, my right. stainless steel tumbler sitting here in front of Good. my water. And uh, I'd use that or a, a mason jar or whatever I can to, to use anything but the plastics. Yeah. <laughs> we'll talk more. Everywhere. Yeah, we'll talk quite a bit more about that. You you also do epigenetic consultation as a part of what you do on the side, right? Yep. Just DNA. I do mm-hmm. DNA consulting yep. okay. with 23andMe data and I have a contract with the special forces I'm working on right now. And I do a lot of pro athletes, but I also just do regular average people that want to get healthier and try and make it reasonably affordable for people to be able to do that. I have say I run sales once in a while and it's, it's an interesting thing. I love that you guys are doing a keto man's club in general. And it's interesting. One of the common themes that comes up is intermittent fasting. Mm-hmm. Huge. Like virtually everybody has genes that indicate they should be intermittent fasting. It's the way our ancestors lived. Mm -hmm. And similarly, virtually everyone has diabetes risk genes, like type 2 diabetes risk genes, which is another indicator that we should not be eating high carb. Mm -hmm. And yet, virtually everybody is eating high carb. So it's different for different people. Some people have an amazing ability to manage carbs, but man, that's rare. And it's, it's, the genetics are a good gateway to find that out because once you see it in your DNA, it's pretty hard to argue with that your programs to not be loading up on cars. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it's I for those that would be interested in, in hearing a sample of what you do whenever you examine someone's or DNA, I'll try to remember to put it in the show notes. You guys did a video or a, a podcast episode mm. that was also a right. video on Robert Sykes side of things with the, the Keto Savage. Keto brand. Savage. Right. Yeah. And so you went through both Danny and uh, Robert's DNA with them and, and the important snips that they needed to be aware of that would impact their health and how they could further optimize things. And yeah, so yeah that's not confidential. So people can learn. Mm-hmm. Because most of the consults I do are confidential, so it's hard for hard for me to communicate. Well, here's the power of some of the stuff. Mm-hmm. It's not magic. It's not epigenetics is massively important as well, but the DNA is pretty important, and, and it's really your DNA doesn't change throughout your whole life. It was fun, like one of the memorable genes I'm thinking of with Danny Vega. He had a a gene that gave him risk for heart palpitations, mm-hmm. and creatine is particularly important as well as sleep. We talked about that on that episode. I remember. Because he sent me a text a few months later where he was traveling and he and he didn't get a bunch of he didn't get the sleep that he needed and his heart gave him some weird heartbeats and that's always a scary thing. I've had heart palpitations and again creatine. Mm-hmm. What's the best source of creatine? Meat. Red meat. So it's another indicator. That yeah, he's on the right track. Very cool. Yeah. So if people want to see an example, I, I can think of that's a really great way to see what a consultation would look like. And I'm sure that right. you dive even deeper with your consults than, than what you did on that on that podcast, because you went relatively quickly through some of that stuff from right. what I remember. Yeah. It was interesting stuff for sure. So let's talk a little bit about your story. And you share your story in depth throughout your book, Esther Generation. So it, it, it is one of those things for the people that want the nitty gritty details. 
go get the book. It's really good, packed full of really great information, but it's also Anthony's story. Tell us a little bit, a little bit about your story. What was health like growing up? Were you the typical 70s, 80s, 90s kid? What was all that like? <laughs> yeah, wow. Interesting. I lived out in the country. I grew up in rural Minnesota, so we had well water and things like that. The interesting thing in America, just to tie it back to the artificial estrogen chemicals, there's a herbicide, second most used herbicide in North America. It's called atrazine. So glyphosate is the number one used herbicide, and that's got its own problems for sure. But the number two is atrazine. And in our area, we certainly have atrazine in the drinking water. It's all over the country in rural areas. And it's completely illegal in Europe, that particular herbicide, because it's so problematic. It acts like estrogen in your body. And just to give people some numbers and give you guys some numbers. So like natural estrogen is 20 nanograms per liter in men. And in women, it's up to, it's around 200, 20 to 200, depending on the time of the month. Uh, the legal allowable limit of atrazine in your drinking water is 3,000 nanograms per liter, right? Now, if you put a frog, a male frog in 3,000 nanograms per liter of atrazine, you'll transform it into a female. They call wow. it feminization. This Hormone is like replacement therapy right there. <laughs> and that's what, that's what I grew up with, but. Thankfully, I didn't have too much of an impact. I mean, my parents have reverse osmosis and things like that. But I had no idea that even in the big cities, there's an issue with estrogens and drinking water in the form of birth control because mm. the human body doesn't really break down that molecule. So women pee it out, they urinate out the birth control, it goes into the drinking water, and it just gets recycled right back in. They kill the bacteria. They're good at getting rid of the bacteria and the viruses in drinking water. But the hormone, something as small as hormone, just goes right back into the faucet. So it actually gets condensed a little bit. And so people are drinking quite a bit of birth control, which adds on top of the plastics and the fragrances and the sunscreens and the artificial red dyes and all of these other estrogen chemicals that I write about. So it's additive, right? It's like a one plus one equals five situation. And they're all acting like estrogen. So if you do a study, like most scientists, you pick one mm -hmm. and you study it and you say, yeah, it acts like estrogen. And maybe it's a little, but it acts like estrogen. But you, most scientists don't put the dots together and say, look, we're getting exposed to this one and this one. And there's a long list. I have a top 10 list in my book and it's daily exposures. I don't focus like agent orange can screw up your sex hormones, but I don't focus on agent orange because hopefully nobody's being exposed to that anymore. It can screw it up for decades, maybe even gener certainly even generations. It can screw up the next generation. And so can these estrogen chemicals. And that's a problem because people aren't really motivated to change if they don't have an immediate thing. They're not bloated. They don't feel like they have head headaches from these chemicals. So they're like, oh, I'm good. I don't have any issues. And so it's not as motivating. But when your testosterone is tanking, mm -hmm. that's pretty motivating. So anyway, that's I would kind say. of my story, I guess. I kind of got into it. I got into it just from recognizing that these chemicals exist and there's a bunch of them. And nobody was talking about it from that perspective, especially back when I wrote my book. And when 2017, 2016, when I was doing all this research on this specific topic, Nobody was saying anything about it. They used to say BPA doesn't leach. Hmm. I don't know if you remember, like back in the day. <laughs> yeah. They say and BPA then, is good. It doesn't leach. It wasn't, and I, and I could be completely off on this, but wasn't there like a thing with people that were like just, for instance, taking like an old Mountain Dew bottle and then just using it as a regular water bottle and then getting like extremely sick from just the constant oh, wow. reuse and over and over sure. again? Yeah, how could yeah. not? Because those things aren't necessarily designed to be reused over and over again. Correct. And Ken Berry just sent me something yesterday. Um, I'm sure you guys have heard of Ken Berry's friend. Mm -hmm. yeah. He sent me an advertisement, one of these on Instagram or YouTube or whatever, they give you these customized ads. And it was about polyethylene terephthalate. It's called PET. It's a plastic and how good it is for you. He's interviewed me and then now he's gotten plastic ads trying to sell them on some plastic products and how it's okay because they're good for you. And, and the irony is the ad specifically said they don't leach. You know, it's okay, polyethylene terephthalate, and by the way, they're an estrogen chemical, and the companies are out there saying, it's okay, they don't leach. And we've heard this before, it's with BPA. The reason they say that is because these molecules like BPA, they're all linked together. It's called a polymer. So they're linked together. So they said, it's, it's not going to leach because they don't, you don't have free molecules. You don't have individual molecules. They're all linked together. Problem is you do have free molecules. You do have individual molecules and they do leach. Because when you manufacture it, you're going to end up with some individual molecules just floating around in, in the plastic, and quite a lot of them. And the exact same thing is true of phthalates, polyethylene terephthalate. So even when you go BPA-free, you still end up with phthalates in your water. And sometimes they make BPS, 
bisphenol S instead of bisphenol A, and that's just as estrogenic according to studies. So I mean, you start putting this all together, and you know, it's a story that needs to be out. People need to know. Yeah, yeah, I pretty much crammed your book in. It was it's been on my to to listen. I drive a lot for work to listen to list, and then uh, and so finally Chris just you know sent me a link so I could listen to it on Audible, and so I pretty much crammed nice. it in since Friday afternoon till today. And like I was, <laughs> we were talking about earlier, like I, I'm definitely buying a hard copy because obviously an audio book is hard to go back and and reference the information. So I I, I need a hard copy so I, I can take notes and dog ear some pages and be able to flip through some stuff, but. Yeah, it's it's that book's ninety percent terrifying and ten percent good news at the end. And, and I and for me, it's like when the first thing I thought of once it was over was like I remember like when I first decided to go all in with keto. And it's so you it's like you walk into your pantry and you just start looking around. You're like, oh man, no, yeah. So you know, I walk. I literally finished the book. The last end of it, last like fifteen minutes of it, I finished today driving home about four o'clock. So I literally walk out of the house. And I'm just looking around my kitchen. And I'm like, we got to make some changes. I'm like, like oh, there's a lot of things in here that I got to go. Yeah, yeah. That's true. And I just had somebody on Twitter not too long ago say the same thing. They said, I judge a book by how much it's made me change my life. And this one has massively changed my life, right? Something like that. In the last 10 years, this is the most impactful from that perspective, something along those lines. And it's a slow process for me because I've learned this stuff slowly. But then when you put it all together in a book and then you hit somebody over the head with it, it's a little overwhelming. But it's a good thing to do, man, especially if you have kids, right? Because you don't want them to be behind the eight ball with their hormones. Yeah. And on top of everything else, there's only so much you can control. And, and I like how you put it in the levels in the book, like levels of how, how deep you want to take it. Right. And, and mean, gold. Yeah, bronze. exactly. And it, that, that, that was, I think that was genius. And I, I got three kids and Thanks. they're nine, six and one and a half now, but by default, they eat extraordinarily clean. Like they don't, they're not Good. keto by any stretch, but by default I do all the cooking. So they do eat extraordinarily nice. clean. And then even my nine-year-old was asking about what the book was. And I'm like, dangers and plastics and what you eat. She just looks down at her little bowl with her little fork. And she looks at me. I'm like, you'll be okay. We made it this far. We're, we're going to be okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We're going like, to get rid of them. Yeah. But you'll be okay. Uh, it's a process. Like, give me a minute. I just no, finished the book today. Yeah. And it's funny because you'll never get rid of them. That's the th- They're all no. new. But at least you, you can minimize it. Yeah. And then when you do have that occasional exposure, it's not that big of a deal because you don't have 20 other ones hitting or stored up in your fat cells, right? That kind of was something that I wanted to ask about, that they're always around type thing. How do you know when, you're, when you are being negatively affected by all of these things? We all, we're bombarded with stuff every day, but when do you realize that you're hitting a wall or that you've had your fill and you've got to do something to correct it? Yeah, it's a good question. It's hard. That's the hardest part. I think testosterone is a good indicator. If there's one blood marker that's an indicator of how much estrogen you have, the artificial estrogens, it's testosterone. Because I've seen a ton of guys, they'll get all the chemicals out of their system. They'll get rid of the plastics, get rid of the fragrances, whatever. And then they'll measure their testosterone a before and after situation and they'll double or whatever. They have a massive spike in their testosterone. And the problem is they may have spiked anyways, but I've seen enough people do that, but there's a gene called CYP1B1 as a liver enzyme that helps break these chemicals down. And certain people have a bad version of that gene. And of course, that's part of the DNA analysis that I do. I'm looking at that gene, a million other genes. But when people have the bad version of that gene, it's a major risk for gyno, like man boobs, gynecomastia, because they're not breaking down the artificial estrogen. So those guys really see it because, again they're getting breast tissue development. And and that's a tough thing to deal with. But some people never see it until decades later or until they just realize they're infertile or the next generation is impacted. Like in the book, I talk a lot about epigenetics and how it's transmissible. It's transmissible to the next generation. And in, of course, in humans, we don't have a ton of data on that because those studies take hundreds of years or whatever. But in animals like rats and fish and this sort of thing, it's really dramatic. There's a guy named Michael Skinner that did a whole TED talk on it. It's called Ghosts in the Ancestral Genome or some complicated topic like that. But the guy's name is Michael Skinner and S-K-I-N-E-R is a friend of mine. He's a PhD scientist from Washington. And he, he literally raises 3,000 plus mice at any given time. Really expensive because he measures the next generation. And he exposes them to atrazine and some of these other estrogen chemicals. And he finds massive issues with polycystic ovarian issues and like PCOS and infertility and 
depression, if you can measure depression in rats. You can certainly measure depression based on suicides in humans, and that goes up when you have birth control use, for example. So there's ways to figure this stuff out. Children, for example, with higher BPA in their urine, they have much higher levels of depression. So there's a number of things you look for. And yeah, that's the problem is they don't, they're not, they don't express quickly. It takes a lot. It oftentimes takes a long time. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it's man boobs pretty quick, but most of the time it takes years. So it makes it a challenge. Just best to try to be as preventative as possible. And your book exactly. is definitely a good reference for that. Yeah. And no, I appreciate it. Yeah. I, I do also, and it's good, good to highlight. It's not all doom and gloom, like Alberto said. At the, at the end of the book, Dr. J does a very good job of going through and making sure that you set, you, you can pick your plan, so to speak. Yeah, and uh, achievable stuff, too. Nothing that's like yeah. extraordinarily go out of your way, life-changing. If you want it to be that way, you absolutely can. But the, the stuff that you that you talk about, even in the, the bronze level, I, I don't – if you're keto, you're, I would say, pretty much almost halfway there as far as the food goes – and it's just yep. a matter of buying different utensils and eating hardware. And you'll be all right. Exactly. So, yeah. yeah I, I was doing a consult with a professional baseball pitcher uh, not too long ago, and he's straight up allergic to soy. And I told him, you're lucky. Like, that's probably a good thing that you've been allergic to your whole life because he can't even touch stuff. And of course, as it's in everything, right? It's in like salad dressings and all this other stuff. And usually it's in the crap, all the processed foods. And it probably brought him to where he is today because... He wasn't able to eat processed foods and all this junk. He had to eat whole foods and decent stuff, and it made a huge impact on his career. It's It really is interesting to see that doesn't just affect our health. It can actually affect performance, like you're saying there. I, I know with me, I'm, I'm on TRT. I, I believe you and I have uh, talked. I've shot questions to you on Instagram a little bit about the estrogen blockers to see if they help right. at all with the phytoestrogens and, and things like that. And you said, mm, the, the science is shaky on that. And I likely am at the, at the point where I don't have to use an estrogen or anything like that to, to manage my estrogen levels any longer. My, my estrogen levels are, are staying pretty steady uh, as Great. of late. It's not 20, but it's, uh, it's about 40 right now from my last oh, yeah. blood test. And it's totally within the, the scope of what's average. Maybe not be right. normal, but it's, it's good. Average. No, no, it's good. I know guys that are 80 that are perfectly fine. Estrogen yeah. is protective. Like the natural estrogen is protective mm -hmm. against Alzheimer's. It's protective for your arteries. And it's just the artificial ones that are yeah. so problematic. And it's when your natural estrogen gets outrageously high. Yeah. If you got 200 estradiol, then let's get a little bit worried. Let's get concerned. But yeah, 40 is good. Yeah, my highest was probably 65, but I crashed it a couple of times and I felt like trash. So exactly. that's why I stopped, I stopped pushing it. I stopped taking the, the estradiol. Or, I think the, I stopped taking it. And, and so that's been for you, quite yeah. a lot. But yeah, my testosterone now with just uh, 0.7 a week of a mm -hmm. uh, test sip. I'm sitting yep. at somewhere between seven and 900 at any one point in time. Good. Heck, my last test came in at 900 and I hadn't been really very consistent with my schedule. Um, mm -hmm. So something's going right in my body. So it, it, it's interesting to see what you're talking about and lifestyle changes going side by side with medical intervention like PRT and things like that. Right. And, and just so you know, like the TRT is especially good for reversing a lot of those epigenetic changes. When, when you're exposed to BPA and phthalates and some of these sunscreen chemicals, all the stuff we're talking about screws up the marks on top of your DNA. And the analogy I use in my book, I think, and certainly the one I use when I go speaking is piano notes or musical notes. So if you see like a staff with the black lines and you got the, the notes on the lines, mm -hmm. if you just have a melody, it's just Mary had a little lamb. But if you, that's your DNA, you can pass that to somebody else. They can play the same song. It's easy. It's simple. It doesn't really change. If you put chords on top of those notes, you put more notes on top of those notes, so it's more complicated, the melody is still there. Same song, same DNA. But now you've got more notes, you've got more complexity. That's your epigenetics. And that also gets passed on. And that can change a lot more without changing your DNA. And these estrogen chemicals screw that up. They, ch they change those chords. They change that epigenetics. And a good way to reverse a lot of those negative changes is TRT. That's mm -hmm. one of the things I like about it. Yeah. Very cool. I didn't know that. That's very cool. Jim? Yeah, and yeah, go I'm ahead. a fan of the cream, too. Have you ever tried the cream? I haven't. I've just been doing t uh, test sip the entire time. I know that the 
cream can be good, but we were concerned about it. My wife coming in contact with it or that right. type of thing. Yeah. And, and then the absorption rate, unless you're doing it directly on areas like the scrotum, it's, it's right. not super high. True. Yeah. 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 I've had better luck in terms of response from that for people that I've talked to and myself personally, I have a prescription. I use it every once in a while. I use it if I throw my back or if I'm, uh-huh. if I get injured, I accelerate the healing and stuff. Back and <laughs> yeah. Thing. yeah. It's phenomenal. There's nothing better when I throw my low back, which I don't often do anymore. I used to throw it every year. I have a really bad disc issue, but man, it's amazing. It'll usually take me like two months to heal without it. And then if I take it's a week. It's just ridiculous, but I use the cream. And and by the way, little caveat on the cream, mm-hmm. a lot of the creams they make, they have artificial estrogen in them as preservative. <laughs> Super ironic. They don't all. Yeah. One called TRT base is the best TRT base. If you're a compounding pharmacist or something, or if you're, if you want to ask your compounding pharmacist, get that one. It's the only one I know of without the estrogen chemical. Okay. Interesting. How do you find how do you find a physician, a doctor, or somebody that is a right fit for you if this is something that you think that you need? Hormone replacement therapy. Yeah, good question. The reason I ask is that in the town that I live in, prior to my current job, I used to work for the Chamber of Commerce, and we actually had a testosterone therapy clinic open up. That is what they do. And mm-hmm. I'm not going to mention them by name, obviously, or anything, but it was just, it almost felt like too much of a convenience store. Like you just walk in and you get right. with shots and you're good to go. And like, eh, shouldn't you have a little bit more information or something like that? How do you, if you determine that it's something that you need, how then do you determine where you get it? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know, honestly. Like I, I use the, I use Keith Nichols. He's a friend of mine, really good, you know, optimizer. But I think that's the key. You need somebody who's, interested in optimizing not just making you okay and i'm okay what do you mean by an optimizer yeah exactly so like the normal range for testosterone in most lab tests is like 300 to a thousand or something like that or maybe 250 Mm -hmm. to a thousand or whatever it depends on the company but if you're coming in with 300 you're way too low you know you should be above 500 in my opinion Mm -hmm. at any age i don't care and everybody's declining the whole culture even 25 year olds are declining from what they historically were. There's a study called the Massachusetts Aging Study. In the 80s, the average male in America was about 500. In the 90s, the average male was about 400. And then 10 years later in the 2000s, the average was about 300. It's And that's just all ages. So people say, oh, you have the testosterone of an eight-year-old. The problem is everybody's declining now. Mm. And that's a big problem. But another issue is when you first get on it, there's an adjustment period. And most people aren't aware of that. Mm. So it takes you like a few months to get your libido lined up and to get, you get th- your body gets thrown off a little bit, but you you have to ride that out. But if it's, if you get some, something really weird, you want to have a doctor there who knows what they're doing. So an optimizer, right, is somebody who doesn't wait until your testosterone is in the toilet. Like they don't wait until you're in a hundred before yeah. they're willing to prescribe you. Mm-hmm. Some people are 500 and they just feel like they have symptoms of low testosterone. And the reason I like the optimizers, the people that are willing to prescribe testosterone to those people and to work with mm-hmm. them and make sure that they're healthy, because there's something called testosterone resistance. And I didn't write about this in my book. I probably should have, but it's the book's focused on estrogen. Testosterone, you've obviously heard of insulin resistance right? and your blood sugar's high all the time. You've got really high insulin. It's not even working because the receptors are downregulated. You hardly have any receptors. The receptors are desensitized. They're numb, right? Testosterone, the same darn thing happens. When you have these artificial estrogens, you get testosterone resistance. So one of the estrogens I write about and talk about is oxybenzone, right? It's in the sunscreens. And there's another one called 4-methylbenzylene camphor. You don't have to remember the name. There's no quiz, but... I've been taking notes the whole time. <laughs> there's no quiz. <laughs> well, <laughs> they did a study after I published my book and told everybody how bad these sunscreen chemicals are. They finally did a study because some people would say, I don't know about the sunscreen chemicals. I agree with you on everything else or whatever. <laughs> they did a study now. It was in CNN. It was all over the place. One application of just cheap Walmart sunscreen that's got oxybenzone, just one of these random brands. Seven days later, blood levels of that chemical were above the government's own recommended limits. And by the way, the recommended limits are too high as it is. They should be a lot lower. 
And so the, mm. they're like at the cancer levels, right? <laughs> the levels that eventually cause cancer. One application, seven days later, your blood levels are still above that limit. Major red flag, number one, if you're using cheap sunscreen, you got to switch over to zinc sunscreen or just use a sun shirt or something or both. But those chemicals in particular have been shown three things. They lower testosterone. <laughs> so that's something. They lower your total testosterone. Number two, they lower your free testosterone, which obviously is a problem. That's the stuff that's working in your body. And then number three, they block binding to the receptor. That's the worst one of all, mm -hmm. because it's like the analogy I use because I'm in Minnesota and I play hockey. I'm in a hockey men's league and it's legit. It's got referees and goalies. The whole thing is great. It's fun. It's amazing. It's Minnesota. <laughs> if you put a piece of plywood in front of the net in a hockey game, it doesn't matter how many players you have on the ice and how many pucks you're shooting at the goal. You're not scoring any goals. If your testosterone is a thousand, and you've got estrogen chemicals blocking binding to the receptor, it doesn't matter that you're estrogen 1,000. You're not having any effect on the receptor. You're not activating the receptor. You're not having any testosterone benefits. You know what I mean? That's the desensitization. That's the numbness. Wow. And so people that are willing to help you optimize your health have recognition of that. And it's a growing recognition. I'm giving a talk in New Mexico in about a month to 200 medical doctors specifically about this topic. I'm actually giving three talks to them because it's like a multi-day thing and it's a really important. Hopefully the knowledge is starting to grow and, and get out there, but that's that's why I say optimizer. <laughs> Long story, right? <laughs> no, I appreciate you breaking it down for sure. Yeah, I, I totally lucked out. I My tier two regimen is completely administrated by a, a physician's assistant at my urologist office. And he is very holistic and everything. He looks at the numbers and everything, but he's like, how do you feel? What's the sex life? Are you having issues with? And he's willing to just, he's willing to do blood work with me. And and just to, to go back to what you were saying, just to, to relate to, to my experience with it, it, we did blood work at three months, six months. And then again, uh, after another six months, after mm -hmm. I first uh, started, and in that first year, I've after a full year of being on a TRT regimen, I finally found that sweet spot. So yep. it, it takes yep. a while to find the right balance of, okay, how much are we doing? How often are we doing it? I do my 0 .7, 0 0.7 milliliters split in two. So I've got a shot that I need to give myself tonight before I go to bed. Those types of things where I am doing 0.3 or something roughly to that um, extent twice a week. And that gives me where I need to be. But it, right. everybody has to find their sweet spot, their sub Q. There's all sorts of different things that you can do with it. As far as TRT regiments, it's not just, hey, take a shot. Very not, exactly. very not one size fits all. <laughs> exactly. And some people they have genetic issues with like their thyroid hormones and stuff. So then they get on TRT and it just never really gets their energy up. They thought yeah. it would. And then I do their DNA and consult and realize oh my gosh it's something totally different let's mm -hmm. let's focus on that right because there's a gene for example that where you have decreased conversion of t4 to t3 thyroid hormone and then sometimes the doctors will put them on t4 like they'll prescribe them t4 a thyroid hormone but because they don't even convert t4 to t3 the thyroid hormone doesn't even work because they're mm -hmm. doing giving them the wrong one so they're just like guessing and trying all kinds of different stuff and their life is, you know, just in shambles. They don't have any energy. It can be a difficult, challenging situation, but yeah, it sounds like you're kicking ass. So that's kind of... It's starting to work. Or it's been working now for a couple of years. So. Yeah, Chris, Chris is our resident specialist. That's good. Yeah. Uh, we're going to try it. to shift gears here a little bit. And so we were just talking about a little bit prior to going live here. But we were talking about food and packaging and plastic and Chinese takeout and Tupperwares yeah. and lids. In your book, you talk about how ant fats, particularly animal fats, are, are susceptible to absorbing these things. And mm -hmm. like you said, you can't avoid it. It's everywhere. Like I, I bought a quarter steer. Obviously, it all comes shrink-wrapped in plastic, and it sits in the freezer. And, and so first question is, in that exact scenario, I bought a steer – they pretty much package it, freeze it almost immediately. It stays frozen until I cook it. Right. Is there any kind of impact difference with it being frozen? And a follow-up to that question, just because I'm curious and I don't like them anyways, is how do you feel about those uh, sous vide? I don't even know what they're called. Totally does. I yeah. talked to one of their one of their their consultants about this, but uh, because he he contacted me and did a consult on this, but 
because when I do keto and I travel, I oftentimes do like barbacoa at Chipotle with sour cream and guacamole and cheese. And that's it. I do that all the time. That's like my go-to. I don't know what you guys, what's, do you guys have a go-to when you travel? It's hard. Yeah. Sorry, uh, I'm going back to the, we, I'm just we, curious. I want to learn from you. I, I, <laughs> we live in Texas. Yeah. yeah we live in the land of barbecue. <laughs> right. But honestly, what I, I travel for work quite a bit. And honestly, what I've been doing, it's been especially easy now since hotels are pretty much wide open, but I've just been booking rooms that have kitchenettes that are near grocery stores mm-hmm. and but i'll just i'll go buy some frozen hamburgers or some and try to keep it as clean as possible nice, nice. And, and that's been working out real well like i'll just buy like half a dozen eggs a stick of butter and i used to do a, a pack of bacon but bacon in the hotel room just gets too messy for the for the price of going <laughs> out to eat I can, yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> for the price of going out to eat i can get twice as right. much food and just not have to worry about being social sure yeah yeah. I five guys into the equation also. That's sure. a good just, resource. Just, just the patties type deal? You can do the, the bunless burger. They serve it in a nice little bowl. You can get extra bacon. There's no extra cost mm. for it. You get mm-hmm. extra cheese. There's no extra cost for it. So okay. it can be a, a, a nice fix. Yeah, and they serve in a, a tinfoil bowl. Mm-hmm. So it, it's right. recyclable, but it's also not something that's um, obviously Maybe estrogen. they do that in Texas, but not in Indiana. Got to get on their case. That's good. Yeah, I like that. So the, pla- the leaching, right, with the plastics and the meat wrapping, because I'm a hunter. I shot seven deer last year, five deer the, day, the year before. Year In Minnesota, they've got, I've got a bunch of kids though, so it's different. But in Minnesota, they have regions in, in the state where you can shoot unlimited deer and just donate them to soup kitchens and things. But with as many kids as I have, I keep them and I do all the butchering myself, but I freeze, I shrink wrap them myself. And if you do it yourself, by the way, I wrap it in silicone. I wrap it in baking paper, like butcher paper, and then I freeze wrap it in plastic. But the main thing is more importantly, if you're freezing something, there's almost no transfer of estrogen. So temperature makes a huge difference. Temperature is one of the most important. So there's three variables, temperature, duration, and oiliness. So temperature, if it's hotter, molecules move faster, and you'll get a lot more transfer of estrogens into liquids, right? Solids, you're not really going to get transferred, just liquids. Like if you got a dry piece of bread in a plastic jar, even if the jar is hot, you're not going to get transfer of estrogens. It's a dry piece of bread. But if you put a hot bowl of soup in a plastic Tupperware thing, you're going to get transfer of estrogen. So heat matters. Next thing, duration. If it's in there a long time, you're going to get more estrogen, of course. Third thing is the, the oiliness. So how, how hydrophobic is the technical term? The more oily something is, the more estrogen transfer you get. So if you've got olive oil in a plastic container, that's problematic because it's an oil. Whereas water, still problematic, but less than olive oil because it's not an oil. So there's less transfer of estrogens. And by the way, most of these animal studies they do with mice and things like that, they're done when they test, quote unquote, fats, like good fats versus bad fats. When we order fats to the lab and we study animals, they ship them in these big plastic tubs and things. So a big issue in research, they're giving these animals fats and saying the fats are bad, but a lot of times they're actually they're actually researching the estrogen chemicals that are coming along for the ride in the fats. And as a proof of that, speaking of atrazine, because I brought it up a few times, they did a study with, because a lot of people say, well, just count calories and you'll lose weight or whatever. They did a study with rats. They had two groups of rats, gave them the exact same diet, which you can do with rats. Everything exactly the same. The only difference was one group, they put low dose atrazine in their drinking water. The other got purified water. The group with low dose atrazine got fat. Same calories, right? So it makes a difference. And I emphasize low dose atrazine because they didn't like blast them with super high dose. They gave them like a relevant dose that people, humans get exposed to. But the, the back to your question, right? The three things, duration, time, oiliness. Uh, heat, you, sorry. Heat. And are there some fats that work better? That, well, are less are, are less likely to have that leaching effect than others? Or is animal fat better than... Obviously, none of us are, are going to advocate for vegetable oils. We don't right. need the, the chemical... I'm going to say Oxidation. chemical shit show that those are. I agree. And uh, we just got the explicit right Yeah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, uh. Yeah, no, it was worth it. Not that I know. I don't know that there's a difference. Okay. Like, but animal fats are certainly solid at a lower temperature. Okay. Like butter at room temp is solid, whereas olive oil would be liquid. So there's going to be less transfer into solid. So animal fats would be better. But if you're heating it up, I wouldn't. I wouldn't heat up animal fats in plastic oh, yeah. for sure. Yeah. So no uh, hot water baths for extended periods of time. 
plastic. Yeah, and, and butter is fine. If butter is wrapped in plastics, but it's solid, it's fine yeah. as far as I'm concerned. The the one thing that I'll, I'll say for you, Alberto, I, I know that they make silicone bags for the sous vides. Oh, that's what I was – I forgot yeah. about the sous vide. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was going to say. I have silicone bags. There's a company called Stasher. Thanks for bringing mm-hmm. that back up, Chris. Yeah. Good call. It's a great way to cook, but you definitely can't use plastic Ziploc bags, which a lot of people do. It's insane to me. It just like I have a background in automotive painting. Speaking of toxic chemicals that will ruin your life, (laughs) but but, I mean from day one, like the very the first thing they teach is when you go to put a bumper on a car, bumpers either come primed, which you can just sand and paint, or they come Mm -hmm. raw plastic, which means they pop them out of the mold, and then you get the bumper. And in order to make paint stick to the bumper, you got to sweat them. So either you got to put them outside in the hot sun for a while or you run them through a bake mm-hmm. cycle. And obviously, you're well aware that what it does is it takes all those mold release agents and forces them out to the surface. Then when you take the bumper out, you give it a good cleaning and you wipe off all these mold release agents. And I was like, I'm talking about painting bumpers on your car. I mean, you're talking about putting food in a plastic bag and boiling it. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm going to take my experience with plastics from painting cars and apply it to this because if it's bad news over here, I'm going to assume it's bad news to put in my mouth. (laughs) Exactly. That's funny. Yeah. They used to, speaking of painting, there's a bunch of these marine paints that they outlawed that because they were killing off coral reefs and whatnot, oysters, and they're so toxic. Like one of them is called tributyl 10 TBT. I don't know if you've ever heard of it or used it, but Mm. they outlawed it on boats and things like that, but they still allow it on cooking utensils or cooking (laughs) spatulas and things like that. Oh, that's amazing. Thankfully, they've gotten better in recent years, but it's some of these, some of our chemical issues in America. All this stuff is illegal in Europe. And that's one of the things I do in my book is I try and do a parent contrast between Europe versus America because it's so stark. It's so different. It's so insane. to to drag on the car painting thing even as far as epa regulations and safety like personal Mm -hmm. safety like we are way behind the ball on stuff like that too like it's it's not even funny like the minimal amount required in most places in this country to paint a car as far as ppe goes is Mm -hmm. literally the equivalent of like maybe just putting a a simple little cloth mask over your face and walking into a paint (laughs) booth full of overspray that you that is extremely toxic because it's literally meant to stop your car from rusting (laughs) and then you go up to canada Canada is a whole different monster. Like up there, you can't even paint unless you have a a supplied fresh air system, which is a fresh air pump outside of the paint booth that's pumping air into a mask from a separate source other than where you're standing. And the same goes for Europe. Like they've been following these things for years, but then over here, here's this little cartridge mask, stick this to your face, your eyes are exposed, carry on. Yeah, this guy I mentioned before, I think we gave the TED talk out from Washington, Skinner, Michael Skinner. He gave a talk in Europe about these chemicals and about the estrogen the epigenetic impact, how it gets transmitted to future generations, some of these health problems. And two weeks later, they outlawed that chemical as a fungicide he was talking about. And that's, this was like five years. That chemical is still legal in America. Like they still use it. Speaking of fungicide, mold inhibitors, it's, it's ridiculous. And there's so, it's just a money influence thing. People always ask me why that situation is what it is, because there's a lot of money in our politi- in our political system that influences these politicians. It's financial. Yep. But that gives you incentive to basically take it. You got to take it into your own hands, because clearly in America, the government's really not going to protect you in a lot of these things. They do, you know, they do in certain aspects, but definitely not as to the level that they should. And so you really got to do it yourself. DIY. Yeah, it's a lot of stuff that we have to figure out for ourselves. We're especially in, in, in the diet too, in right? The diet too. That, <laughs> Food pyramids, baby. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I saw grain up. I, I'm not going to take it down the path that it could go, but I, I saw a post the other day that said that, that there is some. I, I can't remember if it was some organization or just it was a, an opinion piece of we should give the government ultimate control over what we eat i'm like heck no yeah. no <laughs> how's that been going for us yeah, we're no, no not going there no we're not going there um well mayo clinic of course they have soda fountains at all the <laughs> I'm, I'm employed there and they've got soda fountains everywhere and they had a poster you guys will appreciate this most people i talk to i can't tell the story because they don't really appreciate it but they had a poster about how you should decrease your meat consumption eat more grains and I took a picture of it and put it on Twitter and said, this is basically anti-science. And even if you're just to globally say that, mm-hmm. just think of somebody with celiac, mm-hmm. right? Like you can't make such a no. ridiculous overarching statement, even if it's a little bit true. And it's not even a little bit true, but 
So I put it on there and basically said something like, you know, this isn't scientific, this, whatever. And they had HR, three HR reps. I had to, I got called in an office. <laughs> and I'm like, what's going on? Three HR reps sitting around a table basically told me, look, you're not representing Mayo properly, this and that. It was pretty uncomfortable. So, yeah, I, I bet that was. And, and I, there's just so much, there's so, you're exactly right that if you lump everybody into the same thing and saying that everyone needs to take in more grains or that type of thing, that, that really does. Everyone that's gluten sensitive, which is for a lot of people is something that they've developed because of overeating the gluten. That's a whole other different discussion, but there's just so much, there's so many different factors there. I definitely don't need grains and whatnot in my diet because I will absolutely just start gaining weight because of it will happen. I'm still three years into my keto journey. I'm still not completely, I still have some insulin resistance. I still have the ability to feel the effects in a very visceral and real way of carb intake. So I just, I'm staying away from it. I'm mainly carnivore right now and it's been great. So let's talk about what you eat in a regular day. You you were saying that right now you, that, that you cycle a little bit, but currently you're on a ketogenic cycle right now. What does that look like for you? Yeah. All my life I've skipped breakfast. I've never eaten breakfast. So I do the noon to six feeding window. I'm basically just eat lunch and eat dinner because I'm actually pretty damn sensitive to gluten and when i was a kid i didn't know that but i would get stomach all my parents have is cereal Mm -hmm. even to this day i go to their house and i got stomach aches i definitely remember that but i didn't attribute it to anything i just stopped eating breakfast and to this day i hate eating breakfast i'm not hungry it's gross it just feels gross even if i eat something healthy so i just don't do that at lunchtime when i'm on the road oftentimes i'll do a keto brick if i'm at home i generally just do a uh, egg yolks that's my go-to when i'm keto i throw out the egg whites oftentimes i'm actually sensitive to egg whites but even if i wasn't i probably would when i'm doing pretty because i do a pretty strict keto and i go keto for dinner i generally eat venison or say last night i had snapping turtle and actually when danny vega and, and robert sykes and i were hunting we we had gar eggs we we caught a bunch of fish and of course we ate fish but some of them had eggs and we ate the gar eggs and danny was puking he got sick and we thought it was because we, we were siphoning gas from the car over to the ATV <laughs> yeah. and we were sucking in gas. And it's really, well, some people are just more sensitive to gas. But I did a little, re- like, I found out later from somebody that gar eggs have a toxin in them. So don't eat gar Uh-oh. eggs. They're apparently poisonous. So that was, we learned the hard way. So you got to be a little careful when you're doing the wild game thing. But yeah, just a lot of wild game, like basically pretty carnivore, to be honest, mm-hmm. for dinners with as much fat as I can think up, like butter i love butter i'm a big butter guy you know bacon for sure what else do i do i had some avocado tonight so, so tonight i basically had taco meat mm-hmm. taco seasoning i just do different seasonings things like that uh, sometimes i do like a cauliflower pizza crust type deal with mozzarella cheese and cauliflower and my kids love it i've got some smoked salmon in the fridge a lot of fish i do a lot of fish because i do a lot of fishing it's pretty simple and i like it that way you know. simple works so you know right now yeah. i'm more cycle too obviously it is like, what do you eat i'm like beef eggs a <laughs> little bit of pork yeah. pretty much covers it <laughs> yeah you've been doing yeah. ham steaks almost every day yeah, yeah only because i'm freaking counting my calories and i'm trying to get the most out of every single one and, and they don't t- they don't taste bad of course they come in plastic but right. <laughs> i pulled it out of the fridge today and i'm like it's, yeah it's our world it is sometimes they inject like in some of the chicken breasts and stuff they inject phthalates they they have to because I, i've seen them and in, they inject a liquid substance and they have phthalates they sometimes use as preservatives because bacteria refuse to eat them they even have them in if you look on the labels for like corn tortillas or something you'll see some of these estrogen chemicals literally on the label sometimes they put them on the label sometimes they don't but a lot of the vegans like to point that out and say look at all the phthalates in the meat and they point out the chicken studies and things mm-hmm. and i think they're literally injecting them in some of those so you got to be careful like i the chicken is of course i hunt i sometimes buy half a cow or a whole cow or whatever and i get them from farmers that i know i use the weston a price foundation group by the way they they have an amazing group across the country that has farmers that generally know what they're doing in terms of free ranging and not feeding them grains and all this so i just tap into their my local chapter and all around the country they have local chapters and you can meet farmers i got my last whole cow for 1600 bucks whole cow all butchered wow. uh, which of course is, yeah you're not going to find that in most places but and then i get chickens directly from the farmer and 
they're phenomenal. I, you go to their, their yard, they're running all over the place and they're just free range chickens. So I'm, I'm a little picky about all that stuff, but what was the name of this outfit again? Weston A. Price Foundation. They have a, they are a lot behind the paleo movement. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty similar to paleo in terms of their diet, except they have more. They're a little more lax on some of the grains and stuff like that if you ferment them and this and that. But they they're really organized, particularly with the with the farmers that are doing good work. They're actually ethical and like the Joel Salatin types. And I speak at their conference most years around the country. They, they have a big conference and yeah, it's good. It's a good thing to check into for, for if you're going to buy a cow and you don't have any knowledge of the local farmers, just go to Facebook, yeah. shoot them a message, try and find out who is your local leader. No, that's cool. I'll <laughs> definitely check that out. Like I, I got lucky and uh, like one of the guys that I do a bunch of side work with, his dad actually has a really small private ranch and he only has about a dozen head of steer mm. So yep. it's, a, it's basically, we've pretty much got to go around his schedule when they're ready to slaughter, but I am slowly working my way up his totem pole to where I, I'm actually getting the calls when he's going to start, when he's going to send them to slaughter versus, Hey, everybody that wanted some, bought some, I still got some in my freezers. Are you interested? <laughs> so I, I'll take it either way, but it's nice to work my way up the totem pole and be getting the, getting the, the pick of the litter, so to speak. Yeah. I'm looking for, when I go to the farm, I'm looking for, are these things out in the field? Eventually, you know, again, I hunt so much. It doesn't even, like I've shot multiple moose over the years and a lot of bear and antelope. And obviously, like I say, seven deer this past year. So I'm still loaded up on deer meat. And that's a really affordable way to do it. Like deer tags are 20 bucks. So that's <laughs> for full deer. It's a lot of meat. Eventually, if I do buy a cow or if I raise my own, I'll just butcher it myself. I'm comfortable doing that. And it's not that hard. You don't have to know all the fancy cuts and you don't really need a butchering saw and all the fancy shenanigans you can just start hacking off meat and <laughs> do a little bit of research maybe watch a couple of youtube videos but honestly <laughs> not that big of a deal if you just got a big pile of meat in some some of those big stainless steel mixing bowls or whatever and, and then you're vacuum sealing it and freezing it i, I, think, I think that just a, became the title of our show a big pile of meat hey i want to ask something to shift gears back to testosterone again because this mm -hmm. is something that I'm working through personally as well. There's a lot of, from what I have done in my research, a lot of concern that once you go on, you don't come back, so to speak. Like mm. this is a lifelong commitment kind of thing. Tell, Not for talk, me. We, okay, <laughs> so tell us why that rumor is out there from your perspective, why it is not true from your perspective. Do some people just have different thoughts on that? So I'd like to hear what you say right. about that. Yeah, it depends. Most people just enjoy it so much. They enjoy the benefits of it and whatnot. And it's, it's almost like being a little bit younger. Like when you're younger, mm -hmm. your metabolism is higher. You can get away with cheating in your diet a little bit more, things like that. So people like it so much, they don't, they rarely go off it, but that doesn't mean you can't, you just want to slowly go off it. If you do, the thing is most of that comes from the bodybuilders who literally can't go mm -hmm. off it because their body has stopped producing testosterone completely. But like, for example, I go off it all the time because again, I only go on it when I completely destroy my back or something like that. And, and I have a specific gene, it's called interleukin one alpha and the interleukin is inhibited by testosterone. So mm -hmm. that's the, we have like over 20 interleukin. So interleukin, have you ever heard of the cytokine storm? When people get COVID, sometimes they, they call it the cytokine storm. It's like a storm of inflammatory chemicals. You guys ever yeah, heard I've that heard term heard cytokine that. storm? Yeah. 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 It just basically means your body is creating all kinds of cytokines, all kinds of inflammatory chemicals causing inflammation. And there's a bunch of different cytokines. One's called TNF alpha, one's called interleukin, one's called interferon. And interleukin, which I mentioned again, I have a genetic issue. There's one, it's interleukin one, interleukin two, interleukin three. There's a whole ton of them. And the interleukin one alpha in particular is in your discs and your back. And it triggers a lot of inflammation. And testosterone shuts that down, shuts that off. So for me, it's pretty specific for my back. So again, I can get it on it. And also I tinker, right? Because I want to know, can I go on it for six months and then jump off it, wean off it, like slowly cut the dose in half and then just go to quarter dose and then go off in the course of a month and it's no issue. And I've done that. I do that. And you feel a little crappy initially. You get a little bit, a little bit of extra weight gain, like water retention changes a little bit, but it's not that big of a deal. Like you can definitely get off it. Okay. So it helps mm -hmm. if you got more muscle mass too. The problem is like a lot of people don't build muscle mass and muscle mass is another great equalizer that allows you to get away with more stuff and it allows you to get off it better. But 
yeah, that, I mean, so I, I have my suggestions and suggestions what we got from uh, Jonathan Shane, who has been managing his low testosterone through relatively natural means, uh, supplementing different materials based on whatever he's high or low and trying to manage it that way uh, and doing so quite effectively. What are your, from the hormonal side, from the, the deep science side that, that you're in, what are some of the more natural or you can do this just by supplementing X, Y, or Z things that right. uh, guys should do that maybe that don't even require blood work or don't even, these are just good things, good uh, habits to have just in case to be able to do or to manage testosterone levels and give yourself the, the, the best natural boost possible. Yeah. Zinc. Zinc is probably the easiest one. And of course, there's a lot of zinc in red meat. If you're eating over 100 grams of red meat, you should be fine. But that's one of the beauties of carnivore and keto. Most people, when they go on keto, their testosterone goes way up. Mm-hmm. And they've done studies because the scientists are always mystified. It's the normal scientists. They're like, how come eating animals is supposed to be so bad for you? And people's testosterone is doubling. But it does happen a lot. When you change your gut bacteria and things, you, you, you bolster improve your gut bacteria another one is just training hard like lifting heavy particularly with your legs that seems to be especially effective for increasing testosterone squatting things like that big muscles yeah 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 it definitely infrared of course a little bit less natural but if you just get out in the sunshine that helps vitamin d helps but that's again sunshine mm-hmm. you can literally do infrared right on your balls i'm sure you've heard of this <laughs> yes, yes I have. And it does work it works for me it's a pain in the ass. You may be doing it wrong. It's funny. They did an infrared study on, on, so infrared, it goes three inches through your skull. They've done human cadaver studies. So it goes even through skull. They did a study with mice and they wrapped their heads with tin foil, like literally like tin foil hats. And they had a group of, they had three groups. One did not get any infrared and they all get Alzheimer's because these are like Alzheimer's mice. And then the other group, got full body exposure to infrared like once a day for however long and they had massively improved less plaques in their brain less alzheimer's symptoms all this stuff the third group the tinfoil hat group obviously wasn't getting any infrared on their heads but they were getting infrared on the other parts of their body they also had improvements they didn't completely they didn't have maximal improvements like full body infrared but they still had a lot of improvements off topic from testosterone, but I imagine just getting infrared anywhere on your body. And again, sunshine does that. That's the cheapest way to get infrared is good for people. Mm-hmm. And like I say, vitamin D. Have you heard of Tongkat Ali? No. T-O-N-G-K-A-T-A-L-I, Tongkat Ali. It's very well established in peer-reviewed studies that it bumps your testosterone, at least like usually about 30 plus percent. 40%, something like that. It's honestly, though, it's literally as expensive as just getting testosterone prescription uh-huh. to get the really good quality mm-hmm. stuff, but it does work and you don't have to go and find a doctor and all that. Works for a lot of people. Boron helps for testosterone. Boron increases your free testosterone in particular. So it's similar to zinc, it gets that testosterone off of SHBG, if you know what SHBG is. Magnesium, too. A lot, 70% of Americans are straight up deficient in magnesium depending on how you define deficient. And the other thing is avoidance, right? Like obviously just avoiding the estrogen chemicals Mm -hmm. that I write about and talk about, that's a massive component. I've seen so many people double their testosterone. It's not even funny. I got on Instagram, tagged me to a story yesterday where he had a massive boost in his testosterone. And we've done a podcast. He's from the UK because he did it. He he was skeptical and he's, oh, I don't think this is real. And he, (laughs) so he tested his blood, got off all the estrogen. And then he's had me on his podcast because it actually worked. It gave him like a 60% increase in his testosterone. But another one that's overlooked besides just the estrogen chemicals that, again, you guys all know about because you read my book, a lot of the metals decrease testosterone. And most people don't realize that because if you take a multivitamin, you'll have like nickel and vandate and tin and all these like micro minerals and they call them micro, like they, they call them micronutrients and things like that a lot of times. But most of those decrease testosterone, in, at least in animal studies, of course, most of them they haven't tested on humans. Mm-hmm. Like aluminum, certainly. Yeah. Like I would get rid of the aluminum deodorants and go with a magnesium deodorant, which I have one on my website, ajconsultingcompany.com. You can find like the deodorants that I like and all that stuff. But like a zinc deodorant or a magnesium deodorant actually works. Most of the glycerol deodorants just don't work. 
know, that's why people use aluminum jars because they, but the problem with aluminum is it gets into your bloodstream and scientists used to scoff at that, but now they actually finally did the study and it's been proven that it does go into your blood. And that one certainly lowers your testosterone. Most of the metals, most, except for, like I say, zinc, magnesium, calcium, those ones do not lower it. They, they increase it. Okay. Yeah. It's a few Very things. Cool. And I, I think we could probably pick your brain for hours on end <laughs> and we want to respect your time. So we'll go ahead and start winding things down a little bit at this point, but just either there's a lot here and maybe we'll just have you come back on and, and maybe we can either target and, and whatnot. Let's so go ahead and you plugged it just a second ago. I'll, I'll add to that. Not only do you have your suggestion of the deodorant, but you have all sorts of suggestions of your brands, your products that you're like, okay, I found that this is good, along with your right. top 10 and, and your bronze, silver, and gold. You've got all sorts of different resources on your website. Go ahead and plug that again, yep. and then give us some Thanks. contact information of how people can get in contact with you. Yeah. Yeah. Even the contact info is there. It's at ajconsultingcompany.com. You have to spell out the word company. It's a terrible website name. I'm a horrible marketer. I came up with the name like 10, in 2010. I had, I had a government contract. I was designing viruses that were like protective against Alzheimer's. So it doesn't sound shady at all. <laughs> right now, right? With, I was literally designing and making viruses from DNA and, and they were for curing Alzheimer's in animals and you, you like drill a hole in their brain and inject the, the, the viruses in their heads and all this crazy stuff. And they, I had a contract with the government to do this and they were like, what's your business name? When I was like setting up this government contract, there's a website called SAM, like S-A-M. And I'm like, AJ Consulting Company. And that's literally like where it came from. And so then I got the website and that's my bad marketing, but- There's, there's um, no going back now. <laughs> now and you can't go back, exactly. But yeah, the info, I'm pretty easy to find on there. Yeah. Yeah. And you're active on your Instagram, which Insta, Shrek. Anthony GJ. Yeah, yeah, that's right. At the initial, the middle initial, because people snag the, the other versions. <laughs> yeah. You're pretty available, like you said, and uh, we really appreciate you taking the time tonight to to join us and have this conversation. We will likely have you uh, on again, and maybe we'll be a little more targeted in the future. But uh, this was a, a really great, great starter conversation because I, I hope that our listeners will will hear this and their eyes and their ears will be open to okay let's let's try to further optimize health because that's that's what we're doing when we're doing keto we're we're optimizing health and this is just one more layer to that particular onion thanks and keep up the good work guys i like this i like the the idea of a keto man's club and i like the name yeah. <laughs> you guys are doing great work so keep it Absolutely. up it's a pleasure having you here uh, a reminder to our listeners, all of our social contacts, whether it be the, the podcast, the hosts, our Facebook groups, the Facebook page, everything is available at theketomansclub.com. And you can get us get in contact with us a couple other ways. If you want to give us a phone call, you can call and leave a voicemail at 512-518-6161. Or you can email us at ketomansclubpodcast at gmail.com. So we're pretty available as well. Feel free to reach out and we'd love to hear from you, uh, the listener. And if you think that the information that was, was shared today by, by Dr. J in this episode is going to be uh, beneficial to someone, please share it because we, we want to get this in front of as many people as possible. So that's it for this week. Until next week, make sure to eat meat, lift heavy, sleep, and repeat. Thank you for joining us for the Keto Man's Club podcast. Your support means the world to us. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Would you help us spread the word about the Keto Man's Club by sharing with your friends and family? We're available on all podcast platforms, so just search for Keto Man's Club and you'll find us. If you would like to connect with us, you can do so a number of ways. Our web address leads to our Facebook group, theketomansclub.com. That's T H E. K-E-T-O-M-A-N-S-C-L-U-B dot com. You can also follow us on Instagram at Keto Man's Club Podcast. Lastly, if you have any comments or questions, feel free to reach out via email to Keto Man's Club Podcast at gmail.com. Thank you again for joining us today, and we look forward to hanging out with you again next week.